on the it's not an the whatever it's called the omega but it, it's not those were the omega boats that's not what it's called oh okay that's wrong yet again no <laughs> what is it called i feel like it starts with an o theogenesis the agrarian <laughs> the ogre <laughs> the ocean ocean queen's vessel yeah what the heck is it called don't be dirty the okay, depth charger that's what I was, that was my next choice. Samsonite was way off. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Book Snarks podcast, where hosts Crystal and Heidi talk about the books that keep us all up at night. Oh, we're recording. I could start. <laughs> Ready when you are. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We are excited to be talking about House of Flame and Shadow today. There's a lot to dissect in this book. We should apologize in advance because we might be a little all over the place because there's just so much information. So we're just going to talk about whatever comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler warning for mostly everything SJM. So all things Crescent City, mild spoilers for Throne of Glass. We'll say mild spoilers for Akatar and the bonus chapters. So if you haven't read all of those things, well, mostly just the Crescent City things, then... Come on back. Crystal, are you ready for this? Whew. That's all I'll ever be. <laughs> it is a lot. All right, let's quickly do the synopsis. This one's from Goodreads. The stunning third book in the sexy, action-packed Crescent City series following the global bestsellers House of Earth and Blood and House, and House of Sky and Breath. <laughs> Bryce Quinlan never expected to see a world other than Midgard, but now that she has, all she wants is to get back. Everything she loves is in Midgard, her family, her friends, her mate. Stranded in a strange world, she's going to need all her wits about her to get home again. And that's not an easy feat, when she has no idea who to trust. Hunt Athalar has found himself in some deep holes in his life, but this one might be the deepest of all. After a few brief months with everything he ever wanted, he's in the Asteri's dungeons again stripped of his freedom and without a clue as to Bryce's fate. He's desperate to help her, but until he can escape the Asteri's leash, his hands are quite literally tied. In the sexy, breathtaking sequel to the number one bestsellers, House of Earth and Blood and House of Sky and Breath, Sarah J. Moss's Crescent City series reaches new heights as Bryce and Hunt's world is brought to the brink of collapse, with its future resting on their shoulders. I feel like that synopsis does not even do the story justice. There's so much more going on. Let's just dive in because th there's more subplots in this story than any other <laughs> book oh, yeah. in the SJM universe. There is a story over here, a story over there, this and that. So let's get into it. Where should we start? Let's do the character deep dives, but wh where should we start with that? I'm hesitant to start with Hunt and Bryce because I have a lot to say about them. <laughs> Me too. Let's Maybe we should it. start with some of our minor characters Agreed. first. Let's, yeah. Let's do Therian. Oh, Therian. The lost soul He's that he a is. mess. I said it in our reaction video, <laughs> but I can't get it out of my head. Like, he is the Ross Geller of Midgard. Why is your solution to defect and propose? <laughs> Stop proposing! <laughs> He's addicted to love, but hates the And also doesn't want to be, like, single. <laughs> He's the girlfriend that I would give the advice to, like, just be single and figure out what you want. And just sit down yes, somewhere. quit attaching <laughs> yourself. Yes. Totally. And he's also the guy that I'd warn my girlfriends against, too. He's going to reel you in, hook, line, and sinker, and then yep. he's going to leave your ass. Uh, Please do not get attached to that guy. I saw a post the other day that has, like, SJM characters that would have an OnlyFans. <laughs> and he was, <laughs> he killed me because it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> he totally would. He'd be like, all fins. Hashtag fin love. <laughs> and I admire his, like, desire to help Sathia. How are we saying her name? Sathia? Yeah, let's do Sathia. I like it. It's, 
beautiful. I admire his desire to help her and seeing her as like his little sister, which is also makes it a little bit creepy <laughs> that he's proposing to somebody that he is comparing to his little sister. It was the first but time admire- he met her though, right? Yeah. However, it was at that point in the book that I was like, dude, uh, just chill. Oh man, I was there way before that. All the little side quests him and Ethan go on. Oh my gosh, just could not be any worse. <laughs> could you not think this through? But I like that the I like the relationship that they kind of end up developing. I do too. And he has an arc and he redeems himself and mm-hmm. I loved to see it. I, I liked him much better at the end than I did in any of the other books. Yeah, and on that note, Safia was really surprising. Wait, did you say Safia? Safia. We can say... I like Safia better. Let's go Safia. Okay. <laughs> she was surprising too. We've never heard of her before. We knew Flynn had a sister, but we we never got a glimpse of her. And she just came in and she hit the ground running. She's saucy. She wasn't what we expected. I feel like we got a little glimpse of her in Sky and Breath because she's at that party mm-hmm. and she's a, but she's a bitch. Like she comes across as a a bitch looking for a husband with power. Mm. She was trying to get Cormac or her parents, maybe it's her parents driving it, but all to find mm-hmm. out that she loved somebody and he defected because they couldn't be together. Yeah. It made me change my opinion of her because up till then I I had thought that she was kind of a bitch. Yeah. Just a snot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which also Flynn clearly felt that way too. Cause he was like, everybody's worried right. about their family. I'm good. Yeah. But we met her dad and okay. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah. He's a douche. <laughs> yeah. I liked her a lot better as it progressed too. I was surprised that she just left him out and dipped, but. You know, for sure. Good for her. Right. But also yeah. poor lost theory and is not going to know what, who is he going to propose to next? <laughs> <laughs> He'll find someone. I guarantee it. The water world is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stick with the lost boys and go to Ethan. Yeah. Okay. Fucking Ethan. Can I just say <laughs> right now, it took 75% of the book for him to be like, oh, you know what? I can just do it. <laughs> I could just be a better leader than Sabine. It literally took him that long. And then this person who he barely knows, who clearly has ill intentions, considering she chose to be a reaper over living wolf. Yes. (laughs) His savior complex is like, wow, a detriment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. (laughs) His... His, uh, now I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) his character arc just did nothing that I thought it was going to do in the previous books and really Sky and Breath because I liked him so much in Sky and Breath. I did too. I was like, who is this guy and why is he so insecure all of a sudden? Put on your big boy pants and figure your shit out. I know. But this is sort of, this is indicative of Sarah J Moss in general because women lead oh yeah and men look for women to lead in their books it's very matriarchal which i which is why we love it but also why ethan is kind of um a pussy kind of yes i wasn't gonna (laughs) use the word but you that's what i was thinking (laughs) you're welcome yes thank you (laughs) (laughs) but he came through i mean in the end he he got his little magical dose of more power and was all right i'm in now because i can wield the ice yeah where did that come from i know right elemental powers that were we can talk about that whole like sub storyline of how the asteri thwarted their powers and how hypaxia overnight created a (laughs) remedy what's it called antidote an antidote to that when it was 1500 thousand 15,000 years one little drink of water muted their powers for for life yeah for hundreds of years and then all of a sudden we have an antidote like that was a that was a plot hole for me Mm -hmm. for sure yeah the wolf story though the wolf debacle was like i just did not see that coming and i'm not mad about sabine going the way she did but like him trying to explain a reaper a fendier now reaper was interesting Mm -hmm. the astronomer sucks 
I'm so oh glad my gosh. that he's out of there. Such a slimy dude. It was just very unexpected. Yeah, agreed. We're going to get into things that were left unfinished, but Ethan's story in my mind is left unfinished. Totally. Yeah, he's an alpha now, but shit just, shit got weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can we talk about crew on the com- camaraderie? Flynn and Deck, I feel, got the short end of the stick, mm-hmm. by the way. First of all, they risked their lives, their families' lives, their entire beings to go save Rune. And then Rune was in the library in Avalon and didn't even notice they were gone. Like, those are your bros. <sighs> like, what? how are you going to do Flynn and Deck like that? As soon as they... Like, the first mention of them, like, being a little bit absent, I was like, oh, here we go. He's not going to yeah. notice. I- <laughs> rude. That was rude. Bros before hoes. I mean, come on. <laughs> she's right there. You know where she's at. Come on. Go. What? You got to check. And then he didn't even check on him until the next day. Yeah. Rude. They did get the short end. We're going to circle back to Therian real quick. The deal between him and the Viper Queen, Ethan was like, if I fight this fight, then Therian is free. But then he fought the fight, Therian was free, but then she came back in the end and was like, he's not free. I was confused by that. Yeah, same. I have no answers. Okay. She found some loophole that we didn't, that was, was unconnected for me. That was not a good deal to make in the first place. Like, he (sighs) left so many loopholes. So I needed him to be a little bit smarter there. Ethan, that's not a very sunball player-ish thing to do. That's not a captain move. You should have not. You should have been a few steps ahead there, bro. (laughs) I suppose we should jump into Hunt and Bryce as much as we're putting it off. No, not yet. Okay, two. We have lots of, we could talk about Hypaxia. Okay, let's talk about Hypaxia. Because... She was really calm for somebody who just got kicked out of her queenhood. I know. She didn't want the queenhood, though, to begin with. She's like, fuck it. Y'all want it. Here you go. (laughs) Only to take over House of Flame and Shadow. Which is more in her wheelhouse, though. The necromancy thing, like, I think she felt more at ease in House of Flame and Shadow. I don't know. I mean, we met her as a healer. Like, that's the opposite. I don't know. Maybe not opposite, but it's just, it was very different. For me. (laughs) There were theories floating around that she was going to defect from the witches and that Lydia would come and be the queen of the witches and then Rune would be, you know, her consort. That didn't I think we talked about that at the end of Sky and Breath, yeah. I'm kind of disappointed that that didn't happen because I feel like Lydia would have been pretty badass in that role of queen of the witches, which is a nod to, you know, Manon. But either way... I think everybody saw Hypaxia defecting from the witches. It was very clear she wasn't into into them. I agree with you. I liked that. Like, I wasn't expecting that twist in the story, but I really liked it. Even as the new underking, underqueen, I suppose, she was focused on finding a cure to the Asteris virus, amoeba. I don't know what it is. Parasite. They are described as parasites. So she brings sort of this this light back into like the realm of the dead. So it's a spirit world which should be full of light rather than full of darkness, which I think the Underking. We got to talk about the Underking now. We got to talk about the Underking. This is a good segue. Should we do it now? Sure. I was convinced, convinced that he was Valg. And we talked about this in my reaction video. But a mutual friend on TikTok... Anna from Book Talk thinks that the Underking is a Barrow White, and I was so convinced by her theory that I have now thrown out my theory that they are Valg, because they're not Valg, but I think she's right. So what do you know about these guys? Well, that was the first test that, I mean, I guess we might do more than minor spoilers for Throne of Glass if we deep dive into this, but that was the first test that Rowan gave Aelin was to cross the, the field, mm-hmm. and... The Barrow Whites are like, oh, showed her showed her her wickedest, like craziest um, memories, right? That's the first time the Valg show up too, though the like Skinwalkers, you know. Oh yeah. Let's not go too deep into this, but yes. Okay. Yeah. But I could totally see the Barrow White, Barrow. Yeah, that theory. I think that makes way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. She did good on that one. Yeah. 
I didn't put that together at all. Shout out to her. All right. I like that. Yeah. Under King, uh, Under King is gone. Thankfully the creep. Yeah. And back to Hypaxia. She's in his place. Mm-hmm. That's another unfinished, left unfinished story. Like, I'd like to know how that's going for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> was, because, you know, in the in the first, when we first meet Hypaxia, we learn that her best friends are, are those who have passed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, her trainers, her teachers were all spirits from long, 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 long ago. I still want to know who they were. I know, me too. That's beside the point. And her mom did some sort of spell work on herself that she couldn't get ensnared by the Asteri, mm-hmm. but also kept her from contacting Hypaxia after she passed. And I wonder if now that that's resolved, can she visit her mom? Like, there's just a lot of directions Hypaxia's story can go that we have left mm-hmm. unfinished. And are the witches still after her? Do they still want her dead? And who now is leading the witches? Are they loyal to the Asteri? Are they not loyal to the Asteri? There's just too much stuff. And it was hard. I, I imagine it's hard to like tie it, tie it all up in a bow. But. but speaking of the witches, I want to pivot for just a second and talk about Hildy. Mm. The crone. Or I don't think she's the... Maybe what is she I called? Would, I think it was called the crone. But like an old witch that Lydia... Mm-hmm. manipulated basically mm-hmm. um she reminds me so much of the matron and she talks about um related to the throne of glass witches as far as like mm-hmm. they were bred to be killers and up until this book i didn't feel that way about the witches because we talked about them healing right in previous like in earth and blood they were healers it was a it was a turn for me. Yeah, you're right. Now that I think about that, I hadn't. But we know that the the witches that were in Hypaxia's not tribe that's the wrong word coven coven yeah aren't super rad. Just, hmm. But they're all called med witches in Earth and Blood. Like they're they're not born killers in that witch, book, yeah. and so it was a a pivot for Hildy to be like your mom was a weenie. And didn't deserve to lead, and we are we are made to be killers. But we did know that it was a witch that put the um, tattoo on Hunt's brow. It was Hildy. It was her. Yeah, it was her. But we knew that we knew that in book one mm-hmm. that it was a witch that did that. So yep. we knew that there was a little bit of a witch following for the Asteri. But hmm, you know that's a good point. But yeah, a complete shift and and another parallel to the the throne of glass world. What else should we go to, Jessica? Yes. I don't want to say that it felt rushed, but the fact that Jessica just straight up opened up to Ethan and told him her entire life story when we hadn't heard any inkling of who, what she was until Mm -hmm. this point, it just felt a little unnatural for Jessica's character. That said, maybe she was just ready to go and wanted her story out there before she went. I think she knew, or maybe I'm just choosing to believe this, but I feel like she knew that things were going to be like rapid fire you know like mm-hmm. bryce left this world people know about the asteri shit's about to get real and somebody needs to know what's going on yeah the noble ending of jessica i just loved getting to know her more that's what i wanted i was in my notes after sky and breath like i wanted to get to know her more and i am so this is probably what i'm happiest not happiest Second thing I am most happy about <laughs> in this book was getting to know her story, getting to know her, and it was a a, a good end for her. She was ready to go mm-hmm. and was like, "Here you go, live." It was her live. I'm not gonna say anything I else know. besides that. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Also parallels, you know her her ties to Adis and Therian and Apollyon. Apollyon is the reason. Spoiler alert that Jessica is a she was a human that is long lived and has powers now because Apollyon didn't believe her claim that it's just books, it's just knowledge. He thought she was hiding something. And that to me was so that was beautiful. That was such genius on the page because it's how all of all of us, all of our all of our readers, all of book talk, all of 
SJM's fan base feels about book. They're magic to us, but it's just words. It's just knowledge. I have a quick side note there too, because when Parthos is introduced in Celine's like monologue in the caves, mm-hmm. the way Parthos is described... It's more beautiful than any city currently in Midgard. Elegant spires and columns, massive obelisks in the market squares, sparkling fountains and complex aqueducts. A white stone city, huge library, city of learning. It's where all of the scholars congregated. And it, it is Antica for me. It's just so similar. As soon as it was the, the city was described, that was immediately where my mind went and I can't let it go. Yeah, and that's the city where the Torre Chesme is, right? Where mm-hmm. the city of learning. Apollyon, you you messed up because you underestimated the power of words, sir. That's exactly right. And I think that that storyline between Jessica and Apollyon really really pointed out the gray area. We already knew Apollyon and Adis and Therian were gray area characters. They have a beef. They had a beef with the Asteri, but they also had this kindness about them that wanted to help the people of Midgard. Apollyon's still kind of a douchebag for doing that to Jessica. Therian's, not Therian, sorry, Thanatos. Good gosh. Thanatos. <laughs> I don't know if I said Therian all through that, but here we are. <laughs> Thanatos is a douchebag for sending the demons after Hypaxia and Bryce in book mm-hmm. two. I love Jessica's story. And I did too. And she gave the ultimate sacrifice to get Bryce back. That was the main point where I cried Yeah. in this book. Yeah. That was a good one. The ending overall was a little underwhelming for me, but that part mm-hmm. made me cry. I did. I mean, I mean, I, I made a post about this, but I did say that there were three deaths in the book. So we have Bryce died and was resurrected. Lydia died and was resurrected. And Sigrid died and was resurrected. And that was definitely on purpose because if you think of the three-faced goddess, which is a throne of glass reference, also Greek mythology Hecate, all that stuff. It's a crossover because all these gods, all the storylines of SJM's book are sort of redone. Like a Throne of Glass, it was like a repeat of the past, right? Because Elena didn't succeed. And so she had to have her ancestor do the dirty work. And it Mm -hmm. it felt similar Mm -hmm. with this, that it was sort of faded. She loves a good dead ancestor monologue. Like She really does. (laughs) Yeah. So we have a Helena and Celine and Princess Thea or Queen Thea for Bryce and (laughs) that storyline and how it related and how it kind of got past it passed down but the three-faced goddess analogy in this book was really (laughs) interesting to me because you have the crone which would be Sigrid because she's now a reaper and then we have the maiden which would be Brysk she's the starborn the maidens associated with the stars and then we have the mother Lydia who carried this book and we'll get into her soon (laughs) yes we will we we can get into her (laughs) sidetracked all right Who's next? Should we talk about Nesta and Az? I don't really know where we can plug them in. <laughs> I think this might be this might be our sure. opportunity. I like it. Okay. <laughs> it was really hard for me. It made like I did not like Bryce in this part of the book at all because she was snot. she was a snot to our my friends, okay? I'm very <laughs> protective of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we know like but it also makes sense like she's in a new place she doesn't know anything about them they are not letting her go mm-hmm. it make, makes sense her attitude makes sense but also like and she has no reason to think that they are who they are right but damn it like you want to you try to trick nesta and Azriel into getting eaten by the worm like who are who do you think mm. you are but they Mm-mm. pull they pulled a pretty good uno switcheroo on that shit oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. I loved, though, I love that Nesta was described as a warrior. I know. Stoic. It's such a good outside perspective, especially people that have read the Agatar series and are coming into this book because everybody that has read that thinks of Nesta way differently than the way Bryce viewed her, which, good for Nesta. You know what I mean? That was one of the notes that I made. I love that that was the first descriptor, basically. It was... Like, oh, yes, girl. You you put in the work. You earned that title. Did you read the bonus chapter with them? Yes. But let's okay. talk about the bonus chapters at the end. 
Okay, cool. Okay. We'll do that later. <laughs> Not that there's a lot, but you know. I did love the little bit we got. Bryce went to open a portal again. I mm-hmm. kind of thought that she was going to open. I knew she was going to op- open a portal into Prithian again. At first, I thought she was going to ask for actual help, though. You know, like them them come with her yeah, or something. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I thought that that was maybe how, where it was going to go. I didn't see her going back just to be like, can I have the mask? And yeah, and this, push, her, and push her, parents. her parents in. Yeah, I didn't, Without I didn't see that Connor, coming. Without Connor, by the way, which is appalling to me, but whatever. Well, it was apparently appalling to Ember too. We can we'll talk about that later too. But <laughs> I love the kind of connection they made over moms. Just a little yeah. bit more that we got from As, and it makes me so excited for his book. I know. I know. Well, Elaine's book, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she listen, listen, Heidi. Sergey Boss has said that she her books are are based on female main character. That's and fine. A woman. So it's got it's not, she's not gonna write a book about Gwen. It's gonna be Elaine. That's because she's gonna write a book about As. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. It's a spin-off <laughs> series. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh <laughs> what, how did you feel about the Akatar glimpses? I loved it. You know, I, I really wanted and expected and built myself up to think that it was going to be more. I was hoping that Resan and crew were going to come and battle the Asteri with her. But I think I needed that humbling. This isn't an Akatar book. This is a mm-hmm. Crescent City book. So mm-hmm. check yourself. So I needed that. But also I, I was expecting more bonding between them. I didn't definitely didn't expect the animosity between... Bryce and As and Nesta. That was yeah. surprising to me, but it was real. Like, that's how it would definitely go down. But I loved the way their relationship ended, and I loved yeah. the bonus chapter that that alluded to that. So, yep. I wanted more resand, of course. I know. But he was kind of painted as a douchebag. It was very reminiscent of book one. He I wasn't mean, very understanding of, of Bryce and, and kind of was playing hardball. But you know, he was also the the leader of his own world and protecting them and he's got a babe and Yes. Like I get it. It makes sense, but Bryce kind of sided with Nesta's take on Resand versus the readership's take on Resand, you know? Right. Yeah. So it did end with Nesta getting the Star Sword. And I, I really do think that that's gonna show up in Oh yeah. Akata in the next Akatar books. Which is so cool to me because I didn't put together the eight pointed star on Bryce's chest as relating to the tattoo on Nesta's back when she made right. that deal with yeah. Cassian. I didn't either. I, I completely forgot about that. That's yeah. what I get for not rereading, I guess. <laughs> we got to reread the entire universe. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. But even even then you miss stuff because you don't know what's going to be in the next one. But. All right. Unrelated, but still a minor character because I, I want to talk about Baxian a little bit. I, do. I love Baxian. Me too. Poor soul. Their dungeon stint was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am so sad for him. I am. I know. I was angry with Danica in Sky and Breath because of all of the secrets that kept getting the like the bombs dropped. Felt like she wasn't a very good friend. And we'll get. We can talk about it a little bit more in the bonus chapters too. But just like I just am sad for him. He lost his person, his mate. But I really I liked. I really liked him as a character and him I not wanting you. to be on a Valen with the, the Pegasus. Like, please come help me. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> when we get into unfinished things yes deserves to be happy man Mm -hmm. man he's gone through it yeah i don't know how that goes i thought he was going to be a sacrificial lamb i thought so too for sure and i was gonna be sad about it wasn't but i thought for sure he was gonna be a casualty yeah i mean i think he wants to be reunited with danica Mm -hmm. i don't know how i would have preferred it honestly but here he is Uh, on a valen the, the little Danica peak at the end. Those get me every time, man. That I cried mm-hmm. for that too. Okay, who else? Rune and Lydia. Let's get this elephant talked about. This skeleton from the closet. Sigrid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see what sake. you did there. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Sigrid. What the fuck was that? Because at the end of book two. They're going to be mates? <laughs> but no. 
No, 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 no. So very opposite. She's a loose cannon is what she was. Not a fan. And Ethan did everything in his power to try and hone her in and tame her out and or just help her again his savior complex like he just wanted her to be able to adjust again and be free and he had the best intentions and he through the whole book he has the best intentions he just doesn't think it through yeah i know (laughs) i didn't get the warm and fuzzy feeling from her as she was coming to in this book i definitely through ethan's eyes we saw that yes she is an alpha yes she could command yes she could be fair but she's also if you look outside of ethan's perspective she was a wildfire she was Mm -hmm. uncontrollable and might have a little bit of vengeance in her blood you know Mm -hmm. the way that ended was absolutely bizarre but it was made clear that the choice was you can become a reaper or you can be resurrected and she chose to become a reaper Mm -hmm. which is a mark against her but also this is an unfinished story another one for some reason i feel like we're not going to get a lot of answers there if we get if we get wolf answers it's going to be ethan and perry yeah answers something's up with perry too as far as like her scent and that changing like i think she's yeah. mated somewhere in you think she's made it perry you mm-hmm. think she's made it mm-hmm. i she's think keeping, she she's keeping something a secret so here's what i think happened with her is that ethan gave her the antidote she had that flush of more power and then he felt like she was muted again she had lost the antidote basically she had lost the extra power and i wonder if it's because she's in line with the asteria or somehow she got infected again quickly i don't really know why but i didn't get the impression that it was a mated bond tell me more that's all i that's all i got i mean we don't have a lot of information for her but i just that was my gut feeling and my gut reaction was that she's she has a secret she left to go somewhere didn't go where she said she was gonna go and her scent changed and i feel like she's got a mate out there that she's hiding okay well that's super unfinished (laughs) and we may never know but yeah All right, we got Lydia. Should we do Lydia? Yep. Or we can we can the do the star uh, of the show. Let's go to um, Bryson Hunt first. We can do that, or we can do Celine, Helena, and Thea. What we found out about them. Yes. Okay, Celine, lost daughter, ran back to Prithian, shut the gate on anybody who was trying to come with her, like a coward, and then Helena and Thea stayed in Midgard. Thea, man. Yeah. I thought she I just would be didn't... a good, good guy. Right? This, but she's very mavish. She kind of sucked. <laughs> I know that she realized the error of her ways, and that's when Adis met her and fell in love with her, and was they were mates. But, man, you killed Finn, which I've never said it that way until I listened to the book. It was Fion. Oh, Fion. Fion. They say, they say Finn in the book. No, they're wrong. <laughs> yes. I agree. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Um, <laughs> them, her and Peleus taking him to the bog and like watching him die. Like you suck. Yeah. She sucks bad. Ada's coming through like, oh, but she changed her ways. This is the great area of the, of the princes of hell. Yep. Not fucking really Adis, but cool. When Selena's giving her monologue, one of the things that Bryce mentions she says she opened the front door of the Asteri, brought the trove right to them. Nesta calls her a fool, a power-hungry fool. Bryce, did you not do the exact same shit? You opened a portal to the Asteri and brought the trove right to them? Come on! Oh, shit. I didn't even I didn't even put that together. Okay, pot. Meet kettle. Right? Thea was a mess. Peleus sucked. Peleus sucked bad. We knew Peleus sucked, though, going into this book. We did. But I did not know that Thea sucked like that. Me neither. That was an unfortunate realization. But... When Bryce was absorbing that third of the star power from mm-hmm. Celine's after they killed the Asteri and, and she opened the pocket and absorbed it, there was something that was said. She doesn't understand why he didn't take it. And she's referring to Asriel. Do you remember this? Mm-mm. Okay, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. But I remember thinking, so only Celine's ancestors can absorb this light. And we have indication that Celine is Rhysand's ancestor, right? Mm-hmm. Just because it looks like Rhysand's sister. Mm-hmm. But then Bryce is absorbing the light and it's like, I don't understand why he didn't take it. Is she referring to Rhysand or is she referring to Asriel? 
you remember I this didn't part? read it kind of but i definitely didn't read it as asriel okay but like keep oh. in mind none of them know this story that's true i don't know how you'd be surprised that somebody didn't take something that they had no, no idea about right this is why I thought it was Asriel, because I think she was talking about it, like, in the present tense. Like, why didn't he come take it, as in right now? Why didn't he come grab it hmm. a second ago? I don't know. Because he is the, he, being Asriel, is the bearer of the truth, of truth teller, mm -hmm. which is within that realm. But that's that little monologue from Vesperus to the Asteri that they killed. Mm -hmm. Her, him being... I mean, is it confirmed then that he's an ancestor of Analius? I think so. I think that was confirmed, right? Right. I think so. It's just so detailed in that mm -hmm. whole little section. It's hard to keep everything straight. Are we ready to jump into our main characters? <laughs> Let's do Lydia and Rune first. Stars. Stars of the... Well, Lydia is the star of the show, so let's start with her. I agree. Because then Bryce and Hunt will segue into the things that we didn't like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hate to say it, but what are you going to do? All right. Lydia <laughs> fucking carried this book on her shoulders like a champion. <laughs> like a champion. Like an heir of Brandon Wood. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I can, I can safely say... If you've read all of Esham's work, Aelin is fucking golden top tier characters. The fact that she was resurrected in Lydia ma made me keep reading, quite frankly. I loved it. I loved it. When they introduce her sons, which is a twist I did not see coming. No. Not even a little. But when they introduce her sons and Bran is described as golden and fire in his eyes, I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the confirmation we were all looking for. Absolutely. Her evolution from the beginning, her reaching out to Rune. And thinking about this, when Rune is in the dungeon and Lydia is trying to save them, we knew Lydia would save them. We knew it, it was canon in everybody's head. Lydia to the rescue. Yes. But she was still a little irredeemable, quite frankly, because she has been an awful, awful character in the books she she was feared she was ruthless and i think her being a mother and introducing her sons gives a reason for all that there had to be a good reason because otherwise like how do you just like explain that away like what was a big enough reason that could have excused all of the shitty things exactly and that does it that does it i'm with it i'm with it and it made me just oh I get it now. I get it now. Rune was such a dick when they were still in the dungeon. I don't want to hear your excuses. It's unforgivable. And then he found out that she was a mom and she's like, oh, all of a sudden my sob story is good enough for you. Oh, yeah. Get him, Lydia. I get where Rune was coming from, though, at the mm -hmm. same time. That's a hard pill to swallow that this mm -hmm. person that you fell in love with in your head <laughs> is also this evil figure in your world. I get Rune's reaction. I think that's a very normal reaction. In fact, if he forgave her too soon, I would have been like, dummy, yeah. you know? It would have been an Ethan situation. <laughs> think it through, Rune. <laughs> So yes. it was it was done the way it needed to be done. I don't understand why Rune shot her, though. Only to go get himself in a kerfuffle that she has to then rescue him from. He was pulling an Ethan there. Thought he was doing the right thing and saving her. And <laughs> he got himself yeah. into a kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I know something that we are not going to agree on. And maybe it's because <laughs> I need to go reread it again. But I didn't read it as she actually died. <gasps> Yep, we don't agree. I read it as she thought she was going to die. And so that's how, where it like, you know, fade to black. It even said, and then she died. Yeah, I know. And then she was like brought back with first light and med witches and stuff. You're right. You're right. I know that Bryce died for yes. sure. And I know that Sigrid died yep. for sure. And this is my three-faced goddess. Like, it won't, it won't fit. I refrained from saying anything then. But I, you're right. I want to look it up now, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I can see how, like, it could be, it'd definitely be missed. I, I read it as... Lights went out. She embraced her death. She was sacrificing. She died. She thought she was gonna die. I read it as, like, that was her fade out, and they just had to bring her back on the... It's not an, the... Whatever it's called. 
The Omega. But it, it's not, those were the Omega boats. It's not what it's called. Oh, okay. That's wrong. Yet again. No. <laughs> what is it called? I feel like it starts with an O. The Ogenesis. The Ograrian. <laughs> the Ogre. <laughs> the Ocean. Ocean Queen's vessel. Yeah, what the heck is it called? Don't be dirty. The okay, Depth Charger. That's what I was, that was my next choice. Samsonite was way off. <laughs> <laughs> that they just brought her back on the Death Charger, like from the brink of death, basically. That's, that's how I read it. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. probably right. That's fine. <laughs> uh, even if she wasn't like entirely dead, the metaphor still is real. Yeah. So it works. Okay. But I read it as she died and was brought, because it took a, a long time for her to come back, because I remember Rune sitting in that room with her. Yeah. Feeling all the regret for being a douchebag, mm-hmm. and then her coming back and being like, sorry, Rune, you're second fiddle, because my kids are on this boat. Yeah, she just bolts. And I didn't, still did not mm-hmm. see that coming. She got up and ran right away. I'm okay. like, where in the hell is she going? <laughs> so... To the classroom. We meet the boys. The twins are opposites, right? Like we have one mm-hmm. this warm colored <laughs> brand. That's how they describe him, you know, with like fire in his eyes. And Ace, dark hair, cold shoulder. Dorian. Compl- yes. Dorian Havilliard. Vibes. Totally different boys. Yeah. So Brandon's an old line, but we know that Brandon has ties to Dorian as well, right? They're from the same... Yes, because both Dorian and Aelin could have given that sacrifice. So we know they're from the same line somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's like she got one of each. I'm quick to say that Aelin is the is the line or the lineage, or at least she's closer to Aelin than she is Dorian. However, she's a witch. And what if it's like a Dorian Manon? So I just think it's... Situation. The I don't think she's a descendant of Aelin. I think she's a Brandon descendant. Aelin is a Brandon descendant. So they're both descendants. But mm. I don't think that Aelin and Lydia are actually... Lydia is not mm-hmm. Aelin's descendant. Because I still think all these worlds are overlapping at the same time. There's a little bit of a plot hole here. Because we know that the Akatar world, Prithian's line, came in 15,000 years ago. Came into Midgard 15,000 years mm-hmm. ago. We don't really get a good indication of when Aurelia's line came into Midgard. Based on Aelin's story, Brandon was about a thousand years ago. So they would have to have come in to Midgard after Brandon to know Brandon, to understand Brandon, to know that he is a thing in their line. And I just feel like if there was an influx of Fae 15,000 years ago and then another influx of Fae a thousand years ago in Midgard... That would be a thing that we would be hearing about. In Celine's monologue, she talks about other fae coming into Midgard. And she talks about them being like tall, lean, all shifters, elemental powers. For me, that mm-hmm. was the Aurelian fae. But fae. it also says that they were aligned with the Asteri. And I don't receive that. <laughs> because that's immediately what I thought of was a no-brainer. They're shifters. They have the elongated canines even in their humanoid form. Like all of that describes the Aurelian Fae. But but the wolves were in line with the, the Asteri. I, w- I think the wolves came from the Aurelia line. Yes. Because they're elementals mm-hmm. and they have elemental power. Uh, like as shifters. shown with Ethan with his ice. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. don't understand. I don't know how that all fits together. I think maybe that was just Celine's opinion because her mom was in line with the Asteri at first. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, I got duped. The dude that went with her, Helena's husband, that douchebag, Peleus. Peleus was Thea's dude, though. But he was in line with the Asteria. Asteria. Uh, Asteria. Asteri. <laughs> Words are hard. Uh, they are. The Aurelian Fae came into Midgard was at that point. But as far as where that came with Brannon, but back to your point about Lydia, she's half witch. And I have seen... A very intriguing point made on social media, and I screenshotted it, so I'll tag her in the show notes. But she, when she jumps off the cliff and she is giving herself over to her power. The yielding? Yes. You've seen Mm -hmm. this too? No, but I thought about it. I thought about the yielding when it came to a few different characters in Crescent City. I don't think that she was actually making the yielding because what happened so that it stopped her? You know, like obviously she didn't do that because she'd be 
out irrevocably debt. I still think she was giving her over like herself over to her fire magic, like on a burnout is reminiscent in mm-hmm. plenty of other stories. For sure. It is intriguing knowing that maybe that's what she thought she was going to do because she is half witch. I got that impression that she was about to make the yielding towards the end too, mm-hmm. after Rune shot her and she was about to wreck shop all these little hints to mm-hmm. it. Let's talk about her and freaking incinerating Pollux. Get it girl. Fuck Pollux. Yeah, man. That was so good. I loved it. <laughs> That was a taste of justice. I thought for some reason Rune was going to end Pollux, and I thought that would be a good way for him to go out, but it's way better that Lydia did it. Oh, yeah. She deserved that end, like that closure. Mm -hmm. She deserved that. I I think I would have been mad if Rune got to do it, because that's not his Mm -hmm. vengeance to exact. I like their relationship much better than Hunt and Bryce. And they had such good chemistry throughout the whole book. I love them. I'm glad that mm-hmm. they're both alive and mates and happy. Touch and go is like a lot of different points for both of them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were the stars. They were the stars of the show for sure. Rune and Lydia have absolutely carried it. But speaking of chemistry, where was Hunt and Bryce's chemistry? It was not existent. It wasn't in Flame and Shadow, that's for sure. It wasn't there. Were they just buds? They didn't communicate. Bryce took a turn for me in this book. There's not a lot of things that I dislike about SJM books, but I just was not a fan of her in this book. Just com- kind of disregard for how Hunt felt about all of this. Kind of gaslighting. I don't know. I just, I, he just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't want to discount Hunt's trauma or Bryce's trauma because they were both trying to figure their own shit out, but they weren't trying to figure it out together. Obviously, that's not true. You know, they went to hell together and got the whole spiel there, which is mm-hmm. also annoying. Like, I am glad that we got answers as far as Hunt's lineage. It was not what I was expecting. Yeah, that that bothered me a little too, by the way. That's that's not a father so Apollyon and Theron are like, we could both be your father. Thanatos. But it's like, no, yep. it was some... God darn it. Thanatos, for freak's sake. <laughs> it just felt like that's not what we were led to believe. You can't call yourself a dad because you test-tubed some DNA together. It was interesting. The finale, I kind of mentioned, it was underwhelming for me. There were parts that were really good, but it felt too easy. Well, think about our expectations. We have Throne of Glass where that, like, a good 25% of the last book was the battle. The last standing battle. And then we have a couple books in Akatar that alluded to battle and conflict. And and then Bryce shot him down the black hole. Mm -hmm. The end. Really? They were presumed to be so hard to beat. For three books, unchallengeable, just this this force to be reckoned with. And then she just got it done in one fell swoop. Yeah. It didn't track for me. And I kind of felt like I knew it was going to go that way because of they killed Vesperus in Prithian. And that felt easy. Mm -hmm. And then Bryce went up to whoever, whatever her name was, and took care of her. That was way too easy. Mm -hmm. Where are we headed here? Now we know how to end them. But I don't know. It just was interesting. And it's just not how I thought it was going to happen, I guess. And maybe I should have. It's an urban fantasy book, not a high fantasy book. It's a different fantasy Mm -hmm. world. And she kept talking about they were intergalactic parasites. And so they just got banished to space. I don't, I don't know. It was just interesting. They went into the void, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that they were banished into space by hell, and they were banished into space by Prithian. So what? And they ended up somewhere else. Are they done? Are they not done? I felt like that was a little incomplete. Mm-hmm. I still like Hunt and Bryce as a couple. I don't want to like diminish that or take away from that. I still do like them as a couple. It just wasn't, the chemistry was not it in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But the closure that Hunt gets from Shahar, the help. I freaking loved that. Mm -hmm. I did too. I loved that part. He needed that, I think, to heal. Full circle moment as far as his battle and his thoughts and all of it throughout the whole book and like not wanting, the way he beat himself up when he was in the dungeons, like I should have fought harder to have her not get involved or have any of us get involved. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I know how this story ends. 
I just felt so bad for him. No. I love that the Fallen came back into play. Shahar is who kind of was like, yeah, go save your girl. Yeah, I know. I loved that too. That guy. That was a good, that was a good move. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that Hunt got that. Honestly, Hunt's the most tortured character in this whole series. He's been through some shit. I know, right? The ringer. Let's talk about what's unfinished. What was left unfinished? We have everything that we've already talked about that was unfinished. So we have... (laughs) We have Ethan. (sighs) We have Sigrid. We have Therian and and Safia. We haven't really talked about her yet, but where in the hell did Ariadne go? She's real good at disappearing. Who did she get traded to or what was that bargain? The Viper Queen is up always like she is sneaky bitch. And I don't know where Ariadne went. And that is still a open-ended question for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, she came back at the end, right? I don't even remember. She did? Therian was going to figure out what the heck was up with Sathia, because Sathia went to f- oh, right. to find yep. her lover, and Therian's going to go see what Sathia's up to. If this yep. is another wise decision from Therian, back to the Viper Queen's area to see what they're up to. Ariadne pops out and is like, what's going on? And Theron's like, hello, Ariadne, or something like that. When they went back to the River Queen, and he, like, reproposed to the daughter again, and Sathia's like, fuck. <laughs> Oh, yeah. What the... Dude. I'm glad she's like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Right? Like, good grief. I don't want to... We don't have to dwell on that, but it... I don't get it. Anyway, Ariane is still an open-ended storyline for me. I was disappointed in how little we got on Fury. In all of the hell information that it was going to come out that she was a child of hell... I think you are the one that brought this up at some point, or this one was of the us Anna did. again. This was the Anna Anna on Book Talk again that we'll tag in the show notes. I thought for sure we were going to get more on her, and we she was not even in the book. It was very frustrating. That blew me away. She gets hitched up with Juniper, and all of a sudden is retired from action from no any, being a badass. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, that was completely unfinished. Also unfinished, what does it mean for the fate of Midgard? What are they going to do about phones and technology and everything that First requires? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bryce was sort of nonchalant about it. Like, ah, we'll let other people figure that shit out. Anyway, let's go visit my mom. <laughs> what? Dog. You're kind of in charge now. It's not. <laughs> it's not how this is supposed to roll. Can she just travel back and forth to Prithian? What does the crossover future look like? Mm-hmm. Is the Akatar folks going to come say what up to her later? Yeah. Nesta has the star sword, so technically Nesta might be able to reach out to her because she is but made. she doesn't have the horn. But she has the other trove. Yeah. The harp could open worlds. Was it the harp, though? Mm-hmm. Harp is time. But remember. But it also had enough strings for the other worlds. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I have zero answers yet. Yeah. We have to bring in the experts. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not it. <laughs> okay. Real quick. We yeah. can talk about the bonus chapters. What did you think yeah, about all should. the bonus chapters? And how do you feel about the bonus chapter thing? That there's different ones in different books and that it's a release ahead Just of time of what it's going to be. Politically. As a reader, everybody should have access to that content. Mm-hmm. Also, that's just not the way a free market economy works. It's a very smart business move. You do you, Sarah. You do you. It's not hurting her. And the fact that I was so easily able to find them all online and download them yeah. was a plus. I mean, the fan base is going to share them. And I think that the fact that Sarah isn't squashing that and trying to hush the people that are sharing it is telling. Yeah. There's a base that wants to purchase it and have that collection item. And then there's a base that just wants to read the content. And she's not speaking out on either side which cool cool i'm neutral i guess on it what what about you what are your thoughts on it i don't know part of me is just put an epilogue in the book like in one book one version put an epilogue in it and give us that give us it all in one shot not necessarily say ahead of time who's gonna get them because i feel like that in itself was a spoiler for people Mm -hmm. i guess i don't feel strongly about it either way but what did you think about the chapters i loved them i think some of the bonus content is pertinent to theorists for example in house of sky and breath in the second book there was information about hypaxia being able to raise the dead Mm -hmm. and so in some of these bonus chapters there's some of that little little in intel those Mm -hmm. nuggets and then some of the bonus chapter content was just kind of fluff and honestly what i thought was going to be meaty 
was actually the fluff and the stuff that I thought was going to be fluffy was really meaty. Bryce's mom's chapter. Mm-hmm. The rune in Lydia was the one I thought was going to be meaty and then was fluff. I know, but that one was so good. It was so good. It's the closest thing that we've gotten to a real wedding in the SJM worlds thus mm-hmm. far. We got the detailed coronation for mm-hmm. Aelin, but no no real good wedding. So I love that. It was I great. did too. Yeah. And it gave us character insight, which I don't think we had otherwise, to Lydia and Rune. Mm-hmm. It showed their softer sides. Mm-hmm. Embers was my favorite of the- Really? Mm-hmm. I did love it. It was not my favorite though. I love her handing Rhysand his ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and standing up it. for Nesta. I know it's so good. It's just like Nesta needed that. Nesta yes. needed a, a mother to stick up for her because I don't yes. think she's ever had that in her life. I was I, glad I for loved that. it. My favorite was Bryce, Nesta, and Az. And the music? Uh huh. Az likes death metal or whatever. <laughs> Well, the death metal, he chuckled club at that, scene. but then he, rec- but yes, he called the clubs, he called the clubs pleasure houses. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and then he was humming along as they're walking. I cannot wait to get to know him it, better. I know. It really did. Give us that some insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Him and Elaine will be jamming out to the music. It's- Nah, because Gwen sings, so she is the voice of an angel. Yeah, but not of the pleasure houses. <laughs> So maybe Gwen will sing at Elaine and Azriel's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> what was the other ones? We had Hunt and Bryce's extra scene, the, which the Christmas. Come on. The little the little baby dolls. I know. But the only thing I really loved about it was the fact that Hunt got Christmas with a family. Mm-hmm. And Bryce was still being a shit the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah, kinda. Just fell flat for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Bryce and Danica one. How how are we going to forget that? Oh, yeah. Because I, I kind of loved it. I loved the little insight. I mean, it's the friendship piece that we didn't get from them, you know? Mm-hmm. It shows her, because she, she makes the comment in there, Danica does, that she's sad and lonely, to, so please go out with me. And Bryce, wait, why are you sad and lonely? And now mm-hmm. that we know about Bakshin, we know why she's sad and lonely. We know why she didn't, she's given Thorn funny looks. I don't want anything to do with you, bro. The lighted up exchange right at the very end yeah. tore out my heart. So Yeah, their friendship is good. I did have the question of why wouldn't the tattoo artist question random shit being put into the ink hygiene and sanitary conditions come into play that's such a big part of the tattoo artist's life and some broads just like here add this to the ink and they're like okay cool then maybe it's not to veneer because they can you know heal fast and blah 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 i don't know maybe it's not the same way in midgard in in the fairy world (sighs) it's a thought that (laughs) flittered into my noggin about it (laughs) or why didn't bryce push more on it wait a minute i thought this was random because she is described as having that thought i thought this was random how do you just have this stuff to go into the tattoo yeah there was just it was just too perfect a little too perfect but all in all i think it was a pretty good book i mean it was sjm so we're stacking this against all of SJM's books, but if I stack mm-hmm. this against every other book in the genre, this is a 10 out of 10. This is a great book. I would yeah. highly recommend it. She set the bar, the bar high. high for herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think so. it's a good setup for the next Akatar book, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that we get, in the next couple of months, get a release as far as the date for that book yes because i do think it's going to be in 2025 january or february and i hope so and then her excitement level for the book after that did you see today bloomsbury is on board with this and it's but it's fairy loot Mm -hmm. it's custom sets of the throne of glass books the first well first there's four of them they're coming back i know (laughs) well our throne of glass will be very timely also, I don't think, I think fairy loot's very limited, and I don't think any of us are going to get our hands on that. Honestly, I'm not even going to try. That's not my, I'm not a, I'm not a library collector. As much as I love reading, my physical library is severely lacking. It's fine. But the fact that SJM, Bloomsbury, everybody is on board with a kind of promoting Throne of Classic, oh, come on. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense. I don't, I'd like her to release her her new series. I think that the new I think the next book is the new series, but I think it's going to be all of it. You think all crossovered? She's just pretty good about making them standalone. And she said the next book is Akatar. Yeah, the, but the one after Akatar, 
she said she's not going back to Crescent City after Akatar. She's going to the, a new book. But she, in some interview, I feel like she said that she was gonna, she wants to play in all three worlds. Hmm, that's that's all she's cool. gonna say about that. That's what she said in her interview. <laughs> I love it. All right, we came, we saw, we conquered. All right. Well, uh, next up for the Book Snarks podcast is a interview, a author spotlight interview with Chelsea Ann Tompkins. We're also going to introduce our book club, so we're going to start telling you guys what books we're reading in the months to come so you can read along with us Uh, the week after that we have a very special guest to talk about sjm universe theories which i'm beyond excited about yeah for real and we've got lots of cool stuff planned just for 2024 in general but that's that's where where we'll stop we got through this book i'm sure i'm sure rereads are coming rereads are on the horizon but Our next read for Heidi and I in the SJM universe would be Throne of Glass, and that's coming summertime. Summertime. Late summer. Late summer. Get ready. I'm so excited. (laughs) So with that, thanks everyone for listening. Till next time. As always, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Look for us on socials. We are on Instagram and TikTok at BooksNarksPod. We are on YouTube. Find us there. Leave us your reviews. Leave us your comments. Leave us your questions. Till next time. Happy reading, y'all.